You're listening to Cortez Community Radio, CKTZ 89.5 FM. I'm Dee Clark, and this is Cortez Currents, which you can also access in text form at cortezcurrents.ca. And today we continue the exit interview series in which we look back on Noba Anderson's 14 years of service as our regional director. This is part five, in which we consider the bewildering diversity of Cortez as a constituency and revisit the community conflict of 2018-19. After being narrowly re-elected in 2018, Director Anderson found herself the target of a legal petition accusing her of corrupt practices and demanding her removal from office. Almost four years later, her legal defense is still dragging on. So, Noba, looking back on the last 14 years, what were some of the hardest things about being regional director, um, especially things that maybe you didn't anticipate back in 2008 when you walked into it? Well, I thought initially that my biggest learning curve would be over in town at the regional district, understanding the local government laws and procedures and, you know, how can you second a motion and defer it and refer, you know, all of those systems and, you know, what is a tax service and how does the budget work? And, I, and certainly that was a big learning curve. And But I think at the end of a year, I, you know, more or less had that figured out. There's always more to learn, but I... I I felt comfortable in the playing field. What really sideswiped me was realizing that I didn't know the breadth of my constituency as well as I thought I had. I think as in most anybody that lives in a place tends to surround themselves with people that think somewhat like-mindedly and you know, their friends and colleagues in, in, in their circles of interest. And so, for instance, when the hall tax matter came forward, which was actually barely initiated by my predecessor, Jenny Hebert, but was certainly alive already, and that I inherited, I thought that was a kind of apple pie issue. I didn't expect the level of infighting, pushback, negativity that ensued from that. And I can understand mistrust of government and wanting to do it ourselves and wanting it to be volunteer as opposed to tax base. But the level of divisiveness, I just, I didn't know before. And because there are lots of people that I just don't hang out and play cards with and, and know in that social way. So that was certainly a big eye opener. Was it news to you at that time that there was like weird feeling between Manson's and Whale Town and the North and the South. <laughs> totally. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's absurd. Like it goes, it, no, I absolutely blindsided me. I mean, it goes back, I think, to our caveman days, like my cave, your cave, the people in the other valleys speak a little bit differently. We don't know them and they're other. And so it's deep, deep in our DNA to, to have an us and them othering situation. But I didn't realize that it was so micro to other the neighborhoods in an island that I considered to be a whole. So I'd still love the two community halls to be under one administration and just be our, you know, Cortez community club that runs things together. I think it's, I think it's silly, but it comes from, you know, a day before there were roads that connected the neighborhoods on the island when the union steamship 
serve the various post offices and people from Manson's would go to Campbell River more often than they went to Whaletown. So it certainly has roots here, but I, I, I didn't know it was a thing at, to the magnitude that it apparently is for some, for some people. Anyway, I think back to your question about what was the hard. So that, that was a, that was a hard lesson to realize that there was really strong components of my community that I just didn't know about. That was humbling. Well, we're, we're not going to get through this interview without mentioning what must have been one of the low points of your 14-year career. Last time you were elected, the election was marred by unpleasantness. There was a, um, I would say, in my personal opinion, a malicious, a frivolous legal action brought against you by a very small group of disgruntled constituents but you received a surprising lack of support from your colleagues at SRD. There was a lot of fallout, and as I understand it, you're still involved in litigation. So your last term in office was um, not exactly fulfilling, um, kind of hellish, actually. No, it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> it sucked. And the, the worst part of it is that I've been so sidelined from my ability to actually do my job in this last term for all kinds of reasons that are probably not worth going into. But it's been very hard to have the confidence of my colleagues to actually do my job. And so it it has resulted in a disservice to this community because you haven't had the full weight of my ability to pull on your behalf. And that, that's been the really the saddest part. No, it's it's not been fun by any stretch of the imagination. And I'm really grateful that Mark Vanesh was willing to do this job because I truly thought that nobody would be willing to stand for this position unless I resolve this court case uh, to the positive because I wasn't aware that so few people with no factual or legal basis could cause this much disturbance. You can literally, I've learned, I had no idea, you can literally sue somebody multiple times because the sky is too blue. There does not need to be any factual basis for it. And without the financial and political backing of your colleagues, why would you ever do it? I mean, this would bankrupt the average person over the last four years with all of the legal bills. Now, I'm not rich, and so you can put two and two together about you know what might have happened, but... I've had an incredible amount of support. It hasn't cost me a whole lot. But unless the situation had been so absurd and I had found the level of support that I had, both community and legal, it would have it would have absolutely broken me in the first handful of months. And so why anybody would be willing to put themselves in, in this kind of precarious position, I, I, it stuns me. And I was really honest with Mark. Finesh when we had our early conversations about what I'd been through and about the vulnerability of the role. So the main reason that I have been pursuing this to the Supreme Court and to the Court of Appeal is because I don't think that it is right for somebody who is willing to put themselves in this role of public service to be so alone. I don't think that it's right for that to be the legal basis for, for somebody's service. I, it, it's quasi-constitutional that somebody should be allowed legal representation, a lawyer who is fully informed, who you can tell everything to. 
Oh, I think we're going to have to back up a bit here for listeners who weren't around then or uh, don't have the backstory. So in essence, what happened is 12 people, I think, 13, petitioned to remove me from office on no factual grounds. That petition was thrown out in court. I won that. But the regional district didn't pay my legal fees for it. And then slapped my wrist through censure for sharing in-camera information with my lawyer. So if the district had followed its indemnification bylaw, as I understood it, it would have funded from the beginning this legal action that started almost four years ago. And I wouldn't have been in a position where I could have shared anything with my lawyer out of turn because they would have appointed a lawyer. And none of this would have happened if they had, as the indemnification bylaw requires by my reading, had my back. And the indemnification bylaw does not require a director to even be in the right. It just requires that there is some legal proceeding brought against you. So, I mean, that's the reason for these indemnification bylaws, right? It's it's so that a public official cannot be coerced or taken down by frivolous litigation, which is not that expensive to launch for the people doing it, but can be very, very expensive to defend. Yeah. So my main motivation behind sticking with this for four years is indeed to create a legal playing field that somebody else would want to step into, mm-hmm. to be honest. I wanted to be able to have an indemnification bylaw at the regional district, and indeed ideally at, at every local government in BC that really solidly protects its elected officials from any kind of legal pursuit, whether it's slanderous or otherwise. And I believe that every Canadian citizen is allowed informed legal representation. And to deny that is is an undermining of our quasi-constitutional right to, to legal representation. So it just, it goes so fundamentally to, it just undermines, I don't know, why would anybody do it? So blessings to Mark for his willingness. And you have taken this matter to appeal. How's that going? Um, Are you allowed to talk about it? Is there any prospect of resolution? Where we're at right now is we we were in court recently in Vancouver at at the Court of Appeal, the BC Court of Appeal. And I felt very good about how that went. There were three appeal judges sitting who take a look at precedent matters much more than just the original lower court that we were in. And this has a really big effect far beyond our, our individual case, certainly to other regional districts and potentially, you know, further afield even than that. So they they wanted some more information and hopefully we'll have a decision by the end of the year. But it's it's a, been a very, very slow process. And supposing that you were to get a positive judgment this time, what are the, the best possible outcomes that you could imagine uh, from such a decision? The best possible outcome would be, there are essentially three issues that we took the regional district to court on, and the best possible outcome would be to win all three of those, and that's paying my legal bills retroactively for four years, reversing the censure decision, which was sort of the, the public slap on the wrist, which 
doesn't amount to anything other than the closest thing to an apology that I would get. And in the future, creating a policy and practice of not withholding information from an elected representative. So those would be the three wins. And in therefore finding that every Canadian citizen is allowed informed legal representation with all the information available being given to their lawyer, and that the regional district rewrite their indemnification bylaw to eliminate the perceived loopholes to to not back their own in times of, of legal wranglings. Do you think there could be wider consequences? Could the decision, for example, require SRD to rewrite their indemnification bylaw? Well, the, dis- the court would not mandate that. The, the best that could happen from the court was they would reverse the censure, they would pay my legal bills, and they would be told that they weren't allowed to withhold information from directors. But whether the district therefore would decide that it needed to update its indemnification bylaw would be entirely on them. What I'd really love to see is there be a standard best practice indemnification bylaw written by a legal firm or the Union of BC Municipalities or somebody that was just implemented across the whole province because I mean, when, when staff wrote our bylaw and they brought it to us, we, what did we know about all the internal definitions? We thought it was fine and adopted it. I don't think it was written with any malice. But in these legal proceedings, it became clear that it wasn't a very clear bylaw internally. And when it comes down to these really specifics, it needs to be really clear around under what conditions it will and will not support Well, when I consider some of the language in our zoning bylaw, I can only imagine how ambiguous they could make an indemnification bylaw. Anyway, I think that covers that. I don't think we really need to uh, relive any more of that particular period in our island's history. And that was part five of our exit interview with Noba Anderson, stepping down this year from her job as our regional director. This series airs weekdays at 3 p.m., and next time we'll be talking about the future, Noba's personal future and our future with SRD. Just a reminder, the views and opinions heard on this program are not endorsed by Cortez Community Radio, its board, its staff, its membership, or any granting agency, but are those of the writer, producer, and guests. As always, thanks for listening.